I hope that um, everybody that's here will come away with things that change their heart to line up with what God desires of us. Um, today's kind of a, it's a good lesson. It's, it's a little hard. So I'm going to just pray for us and then I'm going to have Glenda come up and um, read for us. Dearest Jesus, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the for your love, for your goodness, Lord, for your kindness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for um, your relationship with us, Lord, that you desire to have us as your children. And Lord, we desire to have a heart for you. I just pray that you would help us to concentrate this morning, to put the things aside, Lord, that, that can wait. We just really use this time to focus. We pray for the children in child care, Lord, that you would keep them safe. And um, and I just pray that you bless this time. I pray that you would guard my words, Lord. Let nothing come out, Lord, that doesn't line up with your word. Lord, help us to line our hearts up with yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Ms. Linda, would you come up and read Psalm 119, 1 through 16? Good morning, ladies. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? Isn't that a question we all ask? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Amen. Amen and amen. Yeah, you could read that every day, right? So last week we did a little intro into one, Psalm 119. And, you know, we have all year. We don't have to hurry through it. There's so much to garner from, from God's word and in Psalm 119. A couple of the ladies have been in, in Psalms in their other studies and have just been so excited that we're doing this together. Um, so um, let me just start by just reading the first couple of verses together. Blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. So that word blessed is happy. So the way to true happiness is through God and his word, a relationship with God and with his word. And I wanted to, we're going to come back and go through everything. But um, in verse six, he says, you know, if I follow your ways, if I follow your statutes and I'm able to obey and I love you with my whole heart, then I will not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I wanted to talk just a few minutes about um, this word shame. In some of your Bibles, it probably showed up as ashamed. And I think 
in our culture and with the amount of psychology and different things we have, we get mixed up between shame and ashamed. So I wanted to talk to that for just a moment. Technically, if we're ashamed, we're disappointed. We know that we can't measure up to God's standards. And we know that we're a sinful being, right? And so um, to have a relationship with God, right, we have to realize that um, God says the wages of sin is death. So there's a penalty to pay for our sin. And that's spiritual death, right? Uh, we die spiritually. We can't be together with God. We can't fellowship with God if we have sin because that God cannot fellowship with sin. So Christ came, died for those sins, paid that price, and now we can have that relationship with him. And so um, in the realm of being ashamed, I realize that I'm a sinner, right? And that I, um, I have to make that right. And I, don't, I can't do that, right? Religion says I can do that. I can make things up to God. I can be good enough. But we can't. There's nothing we can do to be good enough to please a holy God. Amen? Everybody on the same page on that? So once we're a believer, though, right, we can still suffer shame. And that shame is really big in our culture. I, you know, I don't think there's probably any time in the history of man there hasn't been shame. It's probably been named other things. but Shame is just that state of being where you feel like I'm not good enough, right? I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have enough money. I came from a poor family. Maybe there's shame from abuse as a child. Maybe there was sexual abuse. Maybe there was divorce or there's all kinds of things. And the thing about shame is we all have our own definition of what causes shame. Right? It's not all the same. But we all have that place where we feel like, I'm just not good enough. But you know who says that to you? It's Satan. He's the accuser. He wants you to keep the, your eyes on the things that make you say, I'm not good enough. Because then what are we going to try to do? We're going to try to make up for that. We're going to try to be good. And that bypasses the entire relationship that we have with Christ, which is a fellowship with him, confessing our hearts to him, staying pure of sin, Confessing when we do mess up. So it's just really important when you're feeling like I have really failed. I think sometimes people come in this room, you know, we've had leaders who've been here for a very long time, <laughs> myself included. And you might think, oh man, they've been here so long, they've got it together. And you might feel like, well, I'll never be like that. And none of us are like that. It's a journey, right? None of us are there. And you, may you never, ever hear from somebody in this room any kind of condemnation for what's gone on in your life before. We start from right now. If you've had, um, you know, any kind of abuse and you need counsel, we're willing to give that to you. If you had um, a divorce and you feel guilty about that, we'll be happy to counsel that with you. If you are married, we will never counsel for you to get a divorce, right? We are here to counsel because God loves marriage. He loves families. And that's what we stand for here. We're the Titus, we're a Titus II ministry that teaches our um, ladies to love God and love their husband and love their children. Not everybody that comes is married. Not every, We have widows. We have single ladies. We have newly married. Um, we, have, we have the whole gamut. And we really try to spend each week encouraging each other but I don't want anybody to be stuck in shame like I don't fit in there. There's no such thing as you, you don't fit in here. We have room for you. 
We have counsel for you. We have love for you. We have fellowship and encouragement. So I just hope that you feel that from us. If you ever feel anything different, please come and let me know. We are not defined by our past. We are defined as ch children of God. Can you believe that he, God, a holy God, wants us as his children? That's what defines us. And think about your own children. Are they perfect? No. Do you get rid of them because they mess up? No. And God is the same. He loves us. Once we're his children, we're his, always his children. So you know, you're going to have bumps and, and lumps along the way, but we are part of his family. And he wants our hearts and he wants our attention. So let's figure out today how we walk that walk. Well, last week we talked about the psalmist himself. Just a quick, by way of quick review, we're not sure if it's David, so we just call him the psalmist. It could have also been Ezra. And David's, you know, when you read about David being the apple of God's eye, if you've ever read anything about David, wow, how did that happen? He had a man murdered so he could marry his wife, and he did all kinds of things. So how could he be the apple of God's eye? That's because he knew God and loved God and was willing to confess. He really had that heart to follow God. So it was relationship. It was prayer. Most of the Psalms is actually a prayer. So when you read it, he's, the psalmist is not saying to you, do this, do that, be like me. He's saying, he's, he's praying to God, God, help me to be this. You know, don't let me fail, God. I cannot do this myself. And that should be our prayer. A prayerless walk with God is pretty powerless. We have to be in touch with him. We have to be praying. You know what happens when you pray? It reveals your heart right so we want to be careful that we're always praying and i think that's probably one of the biggest struggles i hear people say is i just don't pray like i should i don't pray as much as i should i don't pray as much as i want to and i think that's satan i really do you know get up in the morning and you fix your cup of coffee to have your prayer time and before you know it there's all kinds of interruptions and or maybe you accidentally Look at your Facebook and then you can't put it down. And then you, that's all your prayer time, right? It's gone by the wayside. So prayer needs to be guarded. Here comes two more ladies. Um, and, and then also the psalmist trusted God, right? This was not a prayer that's, that's wishy-washy or um, doubtful in any way. This is a bold statement of, you know, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. There is no doubt in his mind where happiness comes from. He trusts God completely. He trusts his word. Don't you think that's a big birthmark for a Christian in our society that you trust what God says when the whole foundation has been let, let go of and people don't know what to believe or, or how to base their beliefs? Trust. What do you trust in as the truth? That's what we sang this morning. Thank you, Laura. Hard to trust. Are we teachable? This, this psalmist was teachable. He was willing to learn. He not only was willing, he was begging. Lord, teach me. Show me. Open my eyes. Unite my heart. You know, help me not to have a divided heart. Help me not to be pulled between the world and here. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Right? The, psalm, the, the uh, song hymn goes. Don't let me wander. 
Keep me close, tie me up close to you. Am I teachable? Am I willing to listen? Or do I want my own way? Am I obedient? This, the psalmist was obedient. We're going to talk quite a bit more about that today. And he was humble. We talked a lot about humility at our table last week. I think we were all surprised to find out that we're proud. <laughs> but it's a little more subtle than we think, isn't it? Pride. So I want you to look. Um, I'm going to point out a, a word here. It says, walk in the way. Blessed are, in verse one, blessed are those whose way is blameless. In verse three, who also do no, no wrong, but walk in his ways. In verse five, oh, that my ways may be steadfast. Whenever something's repeated like that in a short amount of time, God's trying to tell you something, right? So there's a lot of repeating throughout Psalms, a lot of things that God really wants us to understand. So what does it mean to walk in the way? Well, for one thing, there is only one path from pride to humility, and it's obedience. It's walking in the way. And the word the way means like um, ruts. Like think about a wagon wheel going through the mud and or many wagons going through the same place. What happens? You get ruts. And so the, the wheels are stuck in those ruts. They can't go to the right or the left. It's a path. It's a rut. When you think about, this is a cool one, Psalm 23, um, leaving the paths of righteousness, those paths are the same, they're ruts, they're paths. So it's a path to righteousness. Um, and he provides everything we need to stay in the ruts, right? And some people think the ruts are boring, but the ruts, according to the psalmist, are what make us happy, staying in the direction and in the way that God has directed us. Apart from his work in us, we lack the ability to keep his commands. We lack the ability to stay in the ruts. We jump off, um, jump off the track. And then in verse 19, uh, as Linda commented on, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So how do we guard it according to his word? When we memorize it. If you have children, teach them scripture. Have them memorize scripture because it's so much easier when you're younger. Most of the verses that I have really, really committed to memory are ones I memorized early or that I taught my children when I was younger. Now it is quite the effort <laughs> to memorize, but it's, it's very good for your heart and your soul and your mind to memorize scripture. And that way, when like you're going through life and things come up, you have the truth to balance out what you're thinking, what your thought life is telling you. And there's another word, keep. Let's look at how many times keep shows up. Verse two, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Verse four, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Verse eight, I will keep your statutes do not utterly forsake me. What does that word keep mean? It means to preserve. What do you, when, when there's a nature preserve, what is that? You're, you're keeping things safe, you're guarding them, you're protecting them. 
So God's want us to protect his word in our life. Each time, keep his testimonies. Keep them diligently. It's like being a watchman. And another word that you'll see is heed. What does it mean to heed something? It means to, to it's a caution. Heed, be careful. Watch for danger. Notice. Be aware. So I'm sensing that being a uh, being blessed by God's word and being a keeper means that it takes some work, right? It takes some awareness on my part. I can't just go through life and kind of roll through and not put in the time that it takes to know what God's word says, not to memorize it, not to not to let other things in that disagree with His word, right? So it's a lot of work, um, a lot of but you have to have the desire, and that comes from that relationship with. If we love him, it's not work. God says, if you love me, you will obey me. But he also says that we love him because he first loved us, right? He's drawn us to him. He asked us to obey. When I think about that work, that verse, um, if you love me, you will obey me. Kind of look at it two ways. If I love him, I will want to obey him. And or if I love him, I will be compelled to obey him. With that relationship with God, it's really hard to step away. I mean, you know it when you've done it. It takes if you're in a relationship with God and you decide to turn away. Generally, it's, it's pretty intentional. God protects our heart. He wants us close. So I love the um, part of this verse where he talks about, um, I will meditate on your precepts. Meditate. What does it mean to meditate? Have you guys heard the analogy of a cow chewing his cud? So a cow has four or five stomachs. So he eats it and it goes down in the first stomach, comes out. Goes down the second, comes out, uh, so on and so forth till it exits, of course. <laughs> but um, that's what that word meditates, chew on it, think about it. When you meditate on a verse, I mean, just take like verse one. So if you're, you're going to memorize it, you're going to think about it all day. You're going to keep a little card with you so you can review. Um, and then you're going to chew on it. So blessed. What does that mean? Happy. Happy about what? Think about it. What does it really mean? Those. Who are those? Those are his children. Way. What does that way mean? Now you have a verbal picture. Now you can picture the ruts. Or you can picture those little sheepies all walking along the path. It's very similar if you're, if you're ever out in the woods, you see a game trail. Like there's a trail where all the animals go down to the water. It makes a rut. Um, blameless. What does it mean to be blameless? Where is my heart in that? Am I blameless? What do I, you know? Where am I with my relationship with God? What does it mean to walk in the law of the Lord? And what is the law? So just in meditating, it's not just a rote, you know, memorizing, which is awesome, but to put the meaning behind it and the thought behind it and give you something to think about besides Facebook or you know, all the distractions, the horrible news or whatever. 
God wants us to meditate on his word. There will always be bad, bad news, ladies. Don't spend your time dwelling on it. It's hard not to sometimes. And then contemplate. Oh, I was going to tell you too, for the word meditate, also words that come up for meditate are talk. So you could kind of mutter it. You know? <laughs> Repeat it to yourself out loud. That really does help. Sing it, right? Or speak it. So, to, and then utter, commune, pray. Um, but um, there's a little gal in my life, and she's about 30, and she's just learning books of the Bible. So, one of my kids uh, suggested to her get a song, you know, go on YouTube and find a song. Because that's how we, I mean, I still have to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to find the, the Bible chapters. But, um, you know, it, how, that particular song goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, my Daughter always thought it was Lucan. She couldn't oh, find Lucan in the Bible. <laughs> so I wonder if she picked that bird and she, it's Luke, they're Lucan. But the, the singing is amazing what it can help put in your heart. So, you know, don't, don't neglect to teach that to your kids. And then to delight. Mm -hmm. I will delight in your statutes. Statutes. So we need to cultivate that habit of, of obedience. And that habit of obedience means we check our heart often. I was driving with my husband the other day and he fussed at a driver. He goes, well, you know, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> I have to say that's one of my checks too. If I'm ugly when I'm driving, I think, wow, Lord, you must not be happy with me. Either. I'm sorry. <laughs> I confessed to the other driver. He didn't even know I, how mad I was at him. <clears throat> So the opposite of obedience is wandering. And we fear a lot of things in life, but really, what should we be fearing? Wandering. You know, as we grow, as we spend our time in the word, where are we to apply this? You know, I know our lives go many different directions, but what is the most important thing that we do with the word that we have and the wisdom that we gain and the obedience that we enjoy with God's strength. Well, our homes. What does God tell us in Titus 2? We should love God. Uh, love God. Well, it doesn't actually say love God, but I always put that in there because you can't do all these things on your own. We love our husband. We love our children. We're keepers at home. That keep, there's that word again, keep, means to guard. That's our responsibility to guard our home and that doesn't mean that we are perfect we had a mom at our table last week stressing because she said i have to be perfect because of the people in her house aren't believers god never asked us to be perfect he said we're a work in progress right and i think that's what our families need to see right i mess up i can be snarky i can i can make a wrong decision i can think the wrong kid did it, it was the other kid and i thought it was that one what if I laugh at that one? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so what do we do with those things? You know, we don't just demand that we're right. We can we confess that to our children. I'm sorry I messed up. And what do they learn from me? They learn humility. If I'm prideful, my children will be prideful. A lot of times you can tell whose family a kid is from just by their attitude. What attitude are you passing to your family and your children? 
And nobody knows you as well as those people at home. Nobody sees the hypocrisy in you like your own children. Things that you don't even see in yourself. So we need to be really careful to be humble and before our children, before our families. You know, there's a difference between this, the direction we're going with this conversation for our husbands and for our children. Let's talk about our husbands for a few minutes. That love husband actually means friendly lover, to be a friendly lover. So I don't think that means nagging him to do what you think is right or controlling him or trying to fix him or trying to train him. Um, <laughs> Carol Jones and I always go through um, you know, marriage books and decide this one's good, we'll keep this one, we can recommend this one, put this one on the list, throw this one out. And I got through a whole book and it was really a good book. But at the end, in one of the chapters, she said, now if your husband's doing wrong, you find a verse that fits the situation and you tell him, honey, you know, here's the verse you need. I don't know about you, <laughs> but there's a lot of times my husband would not receive that very well. So that, that book went in the throwaway. <laughs> and it's not that we don't talk to them. And it's not that we don't share wisdom with them or see or share concerns or share discernment, but it's how we do it. Right? That's because that's the way God builds us. The man is to be the head of the home. He loves to be respected. And our job is to be his helper. I'm sorry, Genesis 1, that's what God said. Right? And there's a lot of people just throwing out the word of God saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. And God says to be happy. We follow his law, we follow his rule, we follow his ways. And that means a very unpopular thing is to be a helper to your husband. And a helper in the way that he wants you to help. And it may change over time. Um, we homeschooled our kids and then as they, when they were growing, I went to work for my husband and I was gonna work 20 hours a week. <clears throat> and then he was in a bad accident and it ended up being 40 plus. And then, yeah, he's back. He's good, thank you. And, um, but now I'm still 40, right? And he wants me back at 20. And things are my responsibility and I don't know how to let go of some things, but I know that he wants me back to be. I am, I have been helping him in one way. It's time to change to another. So y'all can be praying. I'd like to retire a year from the 5th of September. That's my goal. But that does change. And helper can mean different things at different times. But I actually like what I do. And I have some ownership in it, right? So it's going to be hard for me to let go. But my calling is to honor this man and to follow him and to be his helpmate. And I am feeling that his, he needs me to help him on a more personal level by being home with him. We both say goodbye in the morning. We don't see each other till five. And that's not what either one of us want. I want to be home and have his home ready for him when he comes in. We cannot estimate, underestimate the value of being home. If you're a stay-at-home mom, it's a blessing. I know it's hard work. I know it's not totally valued. I know there's not a lot of thank yous now, but there will be huge dividends, huge dividends when you are, when your children are grown. They will rise up and call you blessed. You have a relationship with them that you never would have had if you'd all gone separate ways. 
And that's what, whatever kind of school. I'm just talking about being home as mom, whether it's to greet them at the end of a school day and be able to talk through or to be there as their advocate or whatever. But I skipped over to children. We'll come back to them. Um, in the words of my husband, where are we now in this conversation? <laughs> follow me, babe, follow me. Um, and it's just important to know that he's different than we are. Maybe his, maybe his goals are different. Maybe his um, the way he sees things, things is different. And we can be really, really forceful and, and worried and fearful and anxious if we want to get a point across, right? And uh, it's just really important that we let him be leader of our home. And that's walking out our faith. If he's not a believer, what does God say? Win him without a word. Right? And that doesn't mean you're silent all the time. That just means you're not, you're just letting him guide the conversation. You don't have to, he knows what you believe. I promise you, he knows what you believe. But we don't need to be nagging and, and pushing. And the worst thing that we can do is say that we're Christians, but not live like it. So if I'm saying, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I want you to be a Christian, but yet I'm rude to people and I, you know, I'm pushy on him and I'm self-righteous, then I've, I've blasphemed, you know, I've blasphemed God's word. Because if I'm a believer, if I'm a Christian woman, I have to trust that God means what he says. And that means that my husband's not a believer, that I win him without a word. And if I am, if he is, then I, I respect and honor the authority God's put in my life as my husband. We talk a lot about, you know, how important it is to uh, be careful how we talk to our guys. You know, not like his mother. He didn't marry his mother. You know, he didn't want to marry his mother or his sister. Right? He wants you to be his friendly lover. He wants to know that you're on his side. And that even if you don't agree with him, that you'll honor him. So that's really important. It's really, really important. And now we'll go to children. So in thinking about all this, you know, how does a young man keep his way pure? By staying in God's word, right? How does a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. There's a kind of a popular uh, child raising protocol now that you just kind of let a kid choose. You know what God calls children? Well, you know what he says about children? He says foolishness is bound up in their heart. And we're seeing that on massive scales. We don't let a child decide life-changing decisions. Life-changing. <laughs> what are they thinking? I don't know. But we're so responsible. We have such an a privilege to be able to teach our children. Our children have a better chance of knowing the Lord if they hear it at home from the time they're young. So train your children. Make sure that they know that you love them. Make sure that you they know you love them no matter what they believe. Make sure they know that you love them no matter how bad they were today. Right? And that you may have to discipline them but always let them know that you love them. We had a little funny discipline story this weekend. So uh, we took the dogs camping. And one of Rosie's dogs is really old <laughs> and can't see very good and can hardly hear 
So Rosie puts this little tickle collar on him, you know, it's a little um, vibrator. So we're out in the woods and he's going and Rosie calls him, bam, nothing. And then he says, well, okay, maybe they're my classic ones. And then he uses his whistle, nothing. Then it's still just, you know, and so either you lose the dog, right? Are you disciplined? And so he hits that little zapper and here's Bandit. I mean, 180 <laughs> degrees, never missed a step. Just, that's what God wants from us, right? And that's what we want from our children. We discipline them so they'll turn, turn back to the, turn their heart back. I said, that's what God wants. I have never seen him so funny. He would just whoop, 180 degrees. We need to be careful about the habits our children form. Habits are really, really hard to break. Be careful what they're watching. Be careful where, you know, don't let them take the phones to bed. Pornography is huge, ladies. I hate to jump to the worst case scenario, but pornography is huge for women, for girls and boys. They're taking their phones to bed. There's so much stuff on there. And it's, it actually, pornography actually changes the chemistry of the brain. So the habit of that is very, very hard to break. And when you have a habit or an addiction that's that strong, Generally, it has to be replaced with something else. So you will see somebody who's been a drug addict be a workaholic, or you'll see, you know, it, it, they just have to fill something with that compulsion. So be really, really careful to protect your kid's heart. Be careful about letting them spend the night. This would be something we did all the time. We had so much fun, but you have to be careful about who else is in their other house. Their brothers and sisters watching things they shouldn't. Um, they're just exposed to so much more. And maybe the rule is no spending the night. That's okay. The deep dark of the night is not a good place. Unless there's a lot of trust there. So take training up with your children very seriously, but also have a lot of fun. Make sure that they want to be, you know, that it's a good place to be. One of my kids told me the other day how much she enjoyed growing up in our house, and I really needed to hear that. Because there was a lot of days it wasn't there. We have one child who's, a, who's been an addict and caused a lot of havoc in our home. But uh, side note real quick, uh, my son who's been struggling for 24 years with addiction has been clean for six months. Oh, and he's got a great job and he loves the Lord and he's going to Calvary Church and he's going to meetings and I'm just, I mean, disbelief. I mean, I shouldn't be, right? <laughs> I've been on my, I, I had to apologize to God for all the times I prayed for him and nobody else. I think there's other people in the world I know, but I, I have spent my hours on my knees for that kid. So be praying for your families. That's about what I had for you today. Let me just check. We talked about obedience, being obedient to God. We talked about doing that through meditating, through contemplating through study, through delighting in him, and not forgetting. I know we get busy, ladies, but it's don't forget. Spend enough time with him that you don't forget. And then we talked about living that out at home and how important that is. That's the most, that's your place of most influence is in your home. As mom, as wife. As sister, cousin, you know, we love it when you guys bring your friends and you come in and we get to widen that circle and get to tell people. 
so many of us feel like this isn't really taught anywhere else. I know it's not taught exclusively anywhere else. And um, I don't know about you ladies, but I need it. I need it every week. Um, I need to be reminded. Did you know that you won't always feel in love with your husband? Did you know you won't always feel affection for your children? Did you know that even with God, sometimes you're just kind of empty? That's normal. But that the love we're talking about is a commitment. My commitment is to love my God. My commitment is to obey my God, whether I feel like it or not. My commitment is to love my husband, even when he's driving me crazy. My, my, my commitment is to love him in the good and the bad, to keep my vows to him. That doesn't mean I always feel, have all the little goosebumps, right? But if we keep doing the right thing, those things return. They're, kind of, they're a little bit cyclical, but it's not a, lo a love of feeling. It's a love of commitment. And if we keep doing the right thing, those, those little fuzzies do come back. You know, we have our ups and our downs. And we can really look forward to those ups. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this morning. God, you are so good. God, you know what it takes to make us happy, to make us blessed. And that's by sticking so close to you. Lord, I pray that you would draw our hearts, unite them, open our eyes. Draw us, draw us out of the world, Lord, and into you. Help us to see, Lord, when things are not of you. Help us to be able to to understand the truth, to share the truth, to speak the truth. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.